Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge in our American Conference preview show. Today on the show, we will wrap up the non-conference portion of the schedule. We'll give you our New Year's resolution for Wichita State. We'll also be joined by CBS College basketball analyst Gary Parrish. We'll get his thoughts on the AAC this year, Memphis and Penny Hardaway's resurgence, along with his thoughts on the Shockers. And then we'll give you our own AAC preview. We'll go from 12 all the way to 1 based on Taylor Eldridge's predictions, give you our thoughts, notable wins, notable losses from the non-conference portion of the schedule, and all the details you will need for the next 18 games in the American Athletic Conference. Great show coming up for you right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge in our AAC preview show. We'll go ahead and wrap up the non-conference slate here first though. The Shockers fell in their final non-conference game of the year to VCU. Final score 70-54. Wichita State finishes the non-conference portion of the season at 7-5. Their current Ken Palm ranking is 118. Taylor, when you look at this game, there were just too many injuries, uh, not enough uh, shooting in the second half, and uh, overall just uh, was, was kind of tough uh, for the Shockers to get going. Got in some early foul trouble, um, but overall maybe talk about this VCU game and then the non-conference slate in, in the big picture. Yeah, this was just one of those games where at halftime, you know, the Shockers are down three. Uh, that sounds like, you know, that's right where you want to be on the road still in the game. But, you know, when you look at the factors that what had happened in that first half and even leading up to that game, it just felt like, you know, kind of foreboding that, you know, the second half isn't going to go very well. And that's exactly what happened. And the Shockers just kind of crumbled there in the second half. And uh, you mentioned the foul trouble, you know, Samaja Hinch-Jones gets two. Marcus McDuffie gets two, uh, Eric Stevenson gets two, you know, th- those are coming into this game without Dexter Dennis, they only had four guards, scholarship guards, uh, with Chance Moore leaving the program, and then Dexter Dennis sitting out with a concussion, so they were down to four to basically play three spots, you know, Marshall loves uh, playing the three-guard lineups this season, and you know, getting foul trouble to two of those guys and then your best player, Marcus McDuffie, that just really killed them. And then uh, the injury to Jaime Ichinike, that was the, the real downer. Uh, you know, they were up seven right before that happened. And as soon as that, as soon as he went out of the game, you could just feel the, the game swing. And, you know, VCU makes a run at the end of the half to, to go up three. And then they just didn't stop the second half. And, you know, the offense really just kind of, uh, you know, they're just struggling to get good shots and they're struggling to make shots. And, you know, you, you take a step out, step back and look at this big picture. You know, they're, they're putting up some pretty ugly shooting numbers uh, in the non-conference slate. Um, but when you when you look at it big picture wise, you know, seven and five uh, to quote Greg Marshall, you know, it could be worse. You know, with the way that, uh, you know, just the, the season has gone and. You know, the, the way that they're playing and shooting, you know, it could definitely be worse. The wins over Providence and Baylor, 
definitely stick out. Uh, Jacksonville State and Southern Miss are solid wins too. So, um, you know, big picture wise, you know, to to win a couple of those big games, that's that's a, a good step for this team. And you know, going into AAC play, uh, eight and four sounded a lot better, but you know, all things considered, seven and five, and that's probably you know a C plus for for the Shockers. Yeah, I agree with you. I would like to have them have one more win and go in at eight and four, but overall seven and five isn't too bad. The loss, the home opening loss against Louisiana Tech, kind of sticks out to you. Davidson, you feel like you let one get away there, but other than that, they were competitive really in in every single game. And we're going to talk about this later when we break down the other eleven teams in the conference. But I think if you compare the non-conference schedule of Wichita State to the non-conference slate of a lot of the other teams in the conference, including the teams at the the top of the standings right now. Really, the Shockers, you know, they at least had an opportunity to create a quality resume, had some very quality teams that they brought in. You see some of these teams at, you know, 10 and 2 or 11 and 1, but then you have to look a little further and say, well, who have they played? And maybe they have one or two, but I felt like almost every single game for the Shockers was a challenge. So just just to wrap up this VCU game, Marcus McDuffie finishes with 16 points. He's reached double figures in 11 straight games. I think it ultimately came down to the poor shooting in the second half. They also committed eight more turnovers, which we knew was going to be an issue going into that VCU game. But you probably brought up the biggest thing that happened in this game in particular, and that was the injury to Jaime Echenique. So he was Two of, free th- two of three from the field, had four points already. The team was up seven. Once he left, it felt like they really had no identity on the offensive end, particularly uh, a lot of the jump shots were, were missed and, and really no one d- down low to rebound. So um, do you have an, maybe an update on his injury? And then I would also assume with the big layoff that Dexter Dennis should be back here soon. Yeah, I think Dexter will be back for AAC play for sure. Um, as far as that Janike goes, you know they were off for Christmas break. I mean the team split uh, as soon as after, as soon as that VCU game got over. So um, I don't even think WSU knows as of today. Um, so we're I'm sure they're going to reevaluate him when he gets back uh, pr- this weekend. We're taping this on a Friday afternoon, so uh, they should know today this weekend the severity of it. And uh, as Marshall said after the game, he thinks that it's plantar fasciitis, and you know he doesn't think it's a clean break. Uh, which in some ways would have been better because, you know, yes, he would have missed probably uh, four to six weeks, maybe a little bit longer, but he would have been completely healed uh, when he came back. Uh, the fact that it's not completely torn, uh, that's just going to make it, you know, a pain tolerance thing. And, you know, this is something that's really, really painful in the ball of your foot. And, you know, if it's if it's partially torn, which is what they think it is, uh, that's just going to be a nagging injury. You know, this isn't going away the rest of the season. Uh, you know, if he comes back, uh, which he it sounds like Marshall's optimistic that he, he can play through this. Um, it's just going to be one of those nagging injuries that's, that's constantly going to hurt. And, you know, Marshall was kind of worried about his conditioning. Uh, he wanted him to be playing more minutes. Uh, I don't think this is going to help. So, you know, he was already playing only 18 minutes a game. Uh, if he comes back, you know, maybe that, that goes down to 15. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, this is the biggest advantage which Shaw State has. You know, you look at the, the plus-minus you know, when Echenique is on the floor, they're plus 95. When he's off the floor, they're minus 90. So they're getting outscored by a ton when he is on the bench. And, you know, he's probably, I mean, you, you would think that he's he might miss this Memphis game, um, maybe try to sit out and, and try to uh, heal it up as much as he can. But 
Um, you know, if he misses time, this is a huge deal for Wichita State because, you know, they, they have really struggled to put together, you know, good lineups without him on the court. You know, this is a time for Morris Udeze. Um, you know, he's already playing big minutes, so I don't think, uh, you know, he's going to see, a, a, you know, an increase in his role. But I think the big player, you know, the one that, that can step up and, and turn this is Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler. And, you know, he hasn't really shown uh, the offensive uh, punch that he was, you know, when he came to Wichita State, he was built as, a, you know, a score first post that can stretch the floor. Um, well, he only has two baskets so far this in, this season. So um, this is going to be a big opportunity for him. You know, when, when they had Echenique, I mean, he was kind of a, a luxury. And now without him, you know, he's going to be someone that's counted upon. And, you know, he's going to have to play 15, uh, maybe 20 minutes a game. And, and uh, I mean, we're going to see if he can, you know, if he can stretch defenses and start hitting shots. And, you know, he's kind of the X factor where if he steps up, you know, this this could be something where WSU can skate by until until Echenique comes back. Echenique had been averaging 17.8 minutes per game, and obviously that came down a little bit after the VCU loss. Mo Udeze right now playing about 14 minutes a game. You have to think that goes up probably 18 to 20. And then to your point, Poor Bear Chandler only averaging about six minutes a game, only averaging one point per game out of those uh, nine contests I believe he's been in. So certainly we'll have to step up, and you have to figure that, that those minutes increase at least into the double digits. You know, we, we have the overall stats here in front of us from the first 12 games. There's not a whole lot on here that I think just jumps off the picture or jumps off the page to you. Marcus McDuffie leading the team in scoring at 18.8 uh, points per game. They are currently averaging... points per game and allowing 69.7. So that kind of shows you just how razor thin the difference has been in a lot of these games. Uh, Free throw percentage is an abysmal 65.6%. Certainly would like to see that increase throughout conference play. Rebounding margin only at plus three right now. Might like to see that go up. And the 13.2 turnovers per game, uh, certainly with the guards uh, hopefully coming into their own, we'll we'll cut down on those numbers as well. But when, when you look here, like I said, more big picture over over these 12 games are there anything that jumps out to you and then specifically not just the big men but let's look at the guards as as far as people who maybe need to increase their production over these next 18 games who would those players be yeah the the thing that sticks out to me after 12 games is just the shooting of this team you know I knew uh, coming into the season you know they're not gonna be the same great shooting team they were last year they don't have you know Connor Frankamp and Landry and Austin Reeves and you know three elite you know, knockdown shooters like that, but I thought they would be better than this. You know, you look at the numbers um, after 12 games, 31% from three, 46% from two, and 65% from the free throw line. All all three of those marks are uh, bottom 75 in the country. So, you know, this is one of the worst shooting teams in the country, and that's why kind of the rebounding numbers are a little skewed. I mean, they're not in the, the raw total. They're not out-rebounding uh, teams by much, but because they're missing so much, uh, they're actually a, a pretty good rebounding team, but got a lot of offensive rebounds in particular against VCU. They they only yeah. out rebounded VCU by six, but that was because they were plus nine in offensive rebounds. Yeah, when you're shooting, you know, forty percent from the field every game, you know, there's a lot of rebounds to be had, and you know, it's it's I th- I want to say it's going to get better. I think that you know Eric. Stevenson, Let's say it. Let's be positive here. We're about to go into a new year. It's yeah, going to get better. Oh, uh, you know, like Eric Stevenson. You know, take him for example. You know, he's shooting thirty-two percent, twenty-six percent from the three. You know, he's clearly a better shooter than that. Um, he's taking a lot of 
tough shots. Uh, you know, when I rewatch these games, he's not getting a lot of clean looks. And, you know, if, if WSU can start finding him, uh, you know, getting him more open and getting him his shot going early on, I think that can help him. But, you know, he's clearly a better shooter than that. But, you know, this is a freshman season. Uh, he's probably never played. You know, he's he definitely hasn't played at this level before. He's still adjusting. And, you know, he's, he's still making – uh, he's still helping Wichita State doing other things, defense, rebounding, all the little things. But, you know, he's got to get a shot going. And, you know, you look at down the line, you know, all these shooters uh, just aren't really – everyone outside of basically Marcus McDuffie is not really having that good of a shooting season. And, uh, you know, Samaje, his, his three-point shot has been, you know, decent, 37%. But, you know, he's just not finishing at all on two-pointers, you know, uh, let me look what he is shooting on twos because his field goal percentage is 34%. Shooting 33% on twos, that's uh, not very good at all. So you want that at at least 45. So, um, you know, the the shooting is the thing that, that sticks out to me. That's the thing where this team can improve the most. Uh, I, I do think they're a better shooting team. You know, Ricky Torres, his uh, infamous shooting slump to begin the season, he's now 2 for 25 on threes. So, uh, we saw flashes of him, uh, what he can do in that Southern Miss game. Uh, so I, I just think that these guys, uh, they are better shooters than what they're what they're showing right now, and that's the biggest thing that that can flip the season if they just start making shots. And uh, you know they're they're missing open shots too. They're getting good looks. They're they're just missing them. Um, and not making teams pay uh, at this this point in the season. Perfect example of that would be Samaje. He's the second leading scorer on the team at 12.1, but has missed a lot of open looks here in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And for the team, if they're going to finish in the upper half of the AAC, then probably instead of 12, he needs to be averaging closer 14, 15 points a game and, and help with that overall offensive output. We've done this every single year on the show. This is our last show before we turn the calendar to 2019. So as far as if you're going to make a New Year's resolution, and, and it can be for the team as a whole, or you can pick one individual player, what would that New Year's resolution be? I think Marshall has a, has a good... Um a good point in the in a couple of his press conferences he said that you know the i think this is like at the back of the the start of the season where he said he wished he could you know magically you know have like a magic wand and, and touch uh the the players and let them know that like this is how hard you have to play and this is you know how you know at this level this is how hard you have to go every single play and you know 12 games in i think some of these guys are beginning to get it um, I mean, you can see the flashes every now and then from these freshmen and uh, and the, the junior college transfer and Ricky Torres. And, uh, you know, if they can just finally put it together and understand, OK, this is what I have to do every single game. I think this team, you know, there is, you know, I think the ceiling is there for, you know, to make a run at, you know, fourth or fifth place in this conference this season. Um, but, you know, a lot of things have to change. A lot of things have to happen. Um, and, you know, that's that's the, the one thing you could do is just to, to make these guys realize, OK, this is what I have to do every single game. I think that's what you would do with uh, such a young group. I'm going to kind of 
piggyback off of that, um, you know, there's been a thread on ShockerNet that has talked about this team has kind of lost its edge. Uh, it didn't matter how talented the overall team has been under Greg Marshall. They always seemed like they had that attitude or that toughness about them. They were always going to be a tough team on the glass. They were always going to be a tough team down on the defensive end. And and you can use a little bit of last season even as well. It seems like they've lost a little bit about that edge. And I know everyone wants to say play angry, and I know our whole show is uh, you know off of that as well. But uh, I would like to see them just get more consistent. So if you had to use one word, at least in my opinion, to talk about the first 12 games of this year, it would be volatile. So you had the home opening loss against Louisiana Tech. That was bad. But then the very next, you go out and you beat Providence. That was really good. You're up 30 against Baylor in the first half. Then they, you know, looks like they're going to come back and win. And so there's just been so many ups and downs. And um, on our very first show, we said that was going to happen. So I don't know if any of it's been unexpected. But at the end of the day, you just want to strive for consistency and, and, and getting that edge back that so many of these shocker teams have been known for. I am very excited about our guest on the show today, CBS College basketball analyst Gary Parrish. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Gary about his thoughts on the Shockers, the AAC, and college basketball in general. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge in our American Athletic Conference preview show. We can think of no one better to join us today to help preview the upcoming AAC season. Our guest is a college basketball columnist and TV analyst for CBS Sports. He also hosts the Gary Parrish Show on 92.9 FM in Memphis. So as you know, I've already said his name. We're joined now by Gary Parrish. Gary, how are you today? I'm good, man. You okay? We appreciate you taking the time here in the middle of the holiday season. And want to talk big picture to start with college basketball. We're 12 or so games into the season. Most teams are wrapping up the non-conference portion of the schedule. And it seems like this time of year is when everyone finally shifts their focus on college basketball. We get out of the uh, NFL playoffs and bowl season, all that good stuff. So what have your thoughts been on the season thus far for folks who maybe haven't been paying as close attention? And, and what teams or players have you been most impressed with? Well, it's, it's been fun because you do have some big brands right at the top of the sport, you know, whether it's uh, uh, Duke or, or, or Kansas or, you know, even Kentucky has been a big story, even if they've been somewhat disappointing. North Carolina has been around the top 10 much of the season. Gonzaga has obviously been number one. So you get a lot of those and then a few unfamiliar uh, programs to these types of conversations. And that would be Nevada. And, and, and also Tennessee, even though Tennessee's a big uh, college athletics brand, it's not a big basketball brand, but they're in everybody's top three right now. And actually I have the number one over at the CBS sports top 25 and one. So um, I don't think there's been too many surprises. The teams that were largely supposed to be the best have shown themselves to be the best. And, um, and, and then, you know, the, the players who were supposed to be great have been great. You know, Dedrick Lawson at Kansas was a preseason first-team All-American. He's looking like a All-American at this point. Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett were supposed to be special at Duke. They've both been special right from the jump. So um, it's been a fun November, December, but like you guys, I'm ready to get to January because uh, that is when, you know, most of the by-game stuff is over. You get real basketball team against real basketball team uh, more often than, than we've been getting over the past couple of weeks, because especially with this week, you know, and Christmas falling on a Tuesday, 
the only one ranked team has played so far uh, this week, and there will be no games between two ranked teams this week. So this is not um, the best part of the season, but the best part of the season is right around the corner. Yeah, when you look at the the AAC in particular, you know a lot of team or a lot of people had Central Florida as their favorite to win the conference, but you know you look at the the, the non-con that Houston, Cincinnati has put together, and then you know the rest of the conference is you know it seems like it's maybe a little deeper. The middle is better. How would you kind of judge uh, you know going into the the conference play? You know how many teams have you know a reasonable a reasonable shot in a large berth in the NCAA tournament, and, and do you still think that UCF, are they still the conference favorites? Well, I never had them as the conference favorite, even though I understood why others did. Um, but I was sort of uh, uh, in the camp of, until I see UCF and Johnny Dawkins do it, I, you know, I'm going to be skeptical that they'll actually do it. Now, they're 10-2, and two, so it's not like they've uh, just floundered, uh, but they've gone from... Um, you know, the, the conference favorite in the preseason to, at least according to Ken Palm, the third best team in the league uh, in the month of November, December, with Cincinnati and Houston being obviously ahead of them. If I were to pick a conference champ right now, I might pick Houston, um, but I certainly think you could make a reasonable argument for either Houston, Cincinnati, or UCF. And to answer your, your big question about the tournament, I do think those are the only three teams that, and you phrase it properly, have a realistic chance to, to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously, if, um, you know, if, if Connecticut went undefeated from now until Selection Sunday, they would have an at-large resume. Same thing with Memphis, same thing with Tulsa, I guess. But those teams aren't going to do that. The only three teams that have a realistic shot at getting an at-large bid uh, to the tournament right now are Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and I think ultimately – um, that'll be what you know determines whether the AAC is a two-bid league or a three-bid league. Um, I don't think it's got a chance to be anything more than that, uh, but I do think it's got a chance to get three. And um, you know, but, but but I don't know that there's an obvious Sweet 16 team in the bunch. I mean, there are teams that can get there because if you're good enough to be an at-large, you're good enough to go to the Sweet 16. But last year there was a clear great team in the league, and that was Cincinnati. And each of the past three years, I believe, there's been at least one top 20 Ken Palm team in the league. Right now there's zero. So the the middle is better, but the top isn't nearly as good as it as it has been in, in recent years, uh, most notably last season. Wichita State will open conference play in your neck of the woods next Thursday, January 3rd at Memphis. What have your thoughts been on the Tigers here in year one for Penny Hardaway? And should the rest of the conference kind of fear these next couple years as Memphis maybe works its way back into prominence? Yeah, you don't need to be worried about Memphis too much right now. But Memphis next year, Memphis year after that, Memphis year after that. Um, You know, Penny, all indications are he's going to be able to recruit at a level that is probably going to overwhelm most of the league um you know UConn's going to recruit at a high level too um and then you know assuming Greg's still at Wichita I know they got caught in a little bit of an in-between year here for a variety of reasons but if you think Greg Marshall's not going to consistently have good basketball teams you haven't paid attention to his career Cincinnati under Mick is going to be Cincinnati under Mick and I think Houston under Kelvin's going to be Houston under Kelvin um but I do believe that starting as soon as next season, Memphis is just going to have better players than, than just about anybody um, in, in the league. If not everybody in the league. I mean, the number one prospect in America is going to be playing in the AAC next season. Uh, that's James Wiseman. He'll be at Memphis. So um, as, as for this team, 
they're exactly what they were supposed to be and exactly what, what they should be. Um, you know, Memphis is a proud program, but it finished 161st at Ken Palm last season under Tubby Smith. You know, Penny Hardaway inherited a roster with zero top 100 players. That's like almost impossible to do at Memphis. For instance, when Tubby Smith inherited the program from Josh Pastor, he had four top 100 players in the program, including Dedrick Lawson, who's now a first-team All-American. Two years later, Tubby had zero, and he left Penny with zero. So he was able to, you know, scrounge together um, a top 30 recruiting class that, for your listeners, most notably included Alex Lomax, who was supposed to be a Wichita State player, and it was uh, really just a cool and, and, and kind thing that Greg did to, to release Alex to Memphis and not even try to fight him on it. Not all coaches would have done that, but, uh, but Greg did the right thing. And when I talked to Greg about it, he said, listen, it's not ideal for us, but it's the right thing to do, and I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm not going to stand between a, a young person playing in his hometown school, for his hometown school for his mentor. You know, he didn't want to play for Tubby Smith, but he does want to play for Penny, and, and we were going to allow that. But it, it certainly wasn't a positive for, for Wichita State. It, it, it has had an impact on, uh, on, on this team, I think, even though Alex hasn't been great at Memphis so far. But uh, long story, not so long. Memphis has been favored. In, I mean, Memphis has played 12 games. They've been favored in seven, underdogs in five. They've won all seven that they were supposed to win. They've lost all five that they were supposed to lose. They played LSU tough at LSU, but still a loss. Played Texas Tech tough on a neutral. Actually led them for the majority of the game, but, but still lost. Hung around with Tennessee. It's a single-digit game in the final minute, but Memphis was never a serious threat to win that game. So they've been fine, but they're not good, and it's all a, a, a byproduct of what Tubby left Penny as opposed to what Penny is actually capable of doing. Yeah, you mentioned the transition year this season for Wichita State. So many newcomers and you know, I did some research before the season and no, you know, major, you know, top seven conference team had ever tried to, to reload like this with so many freshmen. And, you know, most teams try to take JUCOs or, or grad transfers. You know, that wasn't really the case for Wichita State. So what do you think the a reasonable expectation for, for this Wichita State team should be, you know, in, in conference play? You know, if they can go around, you know, if they can finish above 500 in the league, I, I think that that's a, a good season relative to to where it started relative to the roster in, in place. Like there's just been so much turnover that I don't care how good you are. And I think Greg's one of the best. It, it just catches up to you at a program. And I don't mean this in any sort of way other than, you know, it, it's not Duke or Kentucky. It, it just catches up with you at a program like, um, like Wichita state. Like you cannot afford to, to lose assistant after assistant, after assistant afford to lose, um, players early to the NBA draft. You know, when Kentucky loses a guy early to the NBA draft, it's usually a guy that they were always going to lose early to the NBA draft. And it's, and they're usually uh, have prepared for it by recruiting another guy that they're going to lose early to the NBA draft. Well, Wichita state, you, you know, you, you, you can't really do that. You know, you, you're never recruiting somebody who is on paper supposed to leave early to the NBA draft. And yet, you know, they, they've had to endure that. And then I, I can't overstate, like, losing the entire staff. I mean, if you go back to the Final Four team or even the team that got a one seed in the NCAA tournament, um, unless I'm forgetting something, and you guys will be able to set me straight real quickly if I am, I don't think any of those guys are still on the staff, right? I mean, Greg's at LSU, and Jans is at New Mexico State, and Forbes is at East Tennessee State. Like, the whole staff has been turned over. And that um, that that catches up to you as well. So, 
um, if you can just be respectable, given, you know, everything they lost and how young they are right now, I believe at Kenpon in terms of experience, the way they gauge it, Wichita State ranks 280th in the country out of 353. So if you can be respectable while all these guys are young, uh, are first-year players, or a lot of these guys are first-year players, then, you, you know, next year should be better, the year after that should be better, and you're back to being what Wichita State, you know, ought to be. But um, this is just, a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough in-between year that uh, I know the fans don't want, but probably are just going to have to get through. We've touched on this a little bit, but uh, if we look ahead over the next few years, let's say Memphis gets things turned around under Penny, Dan Hurley gets UConn back to where they've historically been. Where can the American rank as far as a overall basketball conference? You know, you, you talked about Cincy's going to be Cincy, Houston and Kelvin, uh, Wichita State here. What, what, are, what are your thoughts overall on the conference in these next couple of years? Well, it is widely considered, and according to all the metrics, to be a top seven league in the country. But that really says more about what the eighth best league is than it does anything with the American. Like the, there, there is a significant drop off after the top seven leagues. It basically goes the five power five leagues plus the Big East plus the American, and then after that it's like West Coast Conference because of the strength of Gonzaga, um, and then St. Mary's of course and BYU. But then it's like the MAC, the A10, the Mountain West, the Missouri Valley. Like the leagues outside of the top seven just aren't very good. Um, so, you, you know, the American can be what it's been and probably still be top seven forever. But how do you crack top six? How do you crack top five? And I don't think it's impossible to do. And certainly top five, I think, is very, very doable. And the way you do it is exactly as you explained. It's not complicated. You know, it, you know when people would talk about what does the AAC need to do to break through, well, you need to get the programs that are historically really good or great back to being really good or great. You know, you need Memphis to be what Memphis is supposed to be. You need UConn to be what UConn's supposed to be. And if Memphis is what Memphis is supposed to be and UConn's what UConn's supposed to be, and then Greg Marshall is at Wichita State, Mick Cronin is at Cincinnati, Kelvin Sampson is at Houston, and Johnny Dawkins continues to build UCF, well, now you've got a really good basketball league. I mean, one that's very comparable to the Big East. I mean, UConn historically matches up better than – matches up with and is probably better than Villanova. Um, no matter what your second best Big East school is, it, Memphis matches up historically with it, and then you just start going down the line. And so, um, you know, th- that's the key. Can you keep the programs that have been good good while making UConn great and Memphis great? And I think the answer is yes, because I think Memphis and UConn have hired perfect coaches for their jobs. Not perfect coaches for every job but perfect coaches for their job. I think Dan is going to kill it at UConn and Penny and every way you can measure such things is already killing it at Memphis. And it's honestly uh, among the reasons why um, that, that AAC tournament is going to be interesting because Memphis isn't very good, but nobody in the AAC is really good. And, and so the gap between the middle of the AAC, which is where I would put Memphis and probably Wichita as well and the top is not that strong. And so then Memphis is going to have home court advantage, and it will be a real home court advantage in FedEx Forum. And we're talking about 15, 16, 17,000 people, and they'll have a chance at that auto bid just because it doesn't matter whether they play Cincinnati, Houston, anybody in FedEx Forum in that tournament. They're not going to be more than a single possession underdog in any game that they play. 
And so that is going to give Memphis fans a little bit of hope heading into that tournament, unless they just completely nosedive in the league, that that, that auto bid is still available, and it's available via home court wins. Um, but but to wrap it back around, you know, if, if, as long as Wichita holds on to Greg, Wichita is going to be good. If those other programs can stay good and Memphis and UConn can get great, uh, you've got, I, I think, a league, particularly with the Pac-12 being what it is right now, um, you've got a league that can crack the top five, I, I think, very reasonably. I don't know how much you've you've got the chance to, to watch Wichita State this season, but I was curious to get your thoughts on uh, Marcus McDuffie and the, the leap that he's taken his senior season. And also if any of the, the freshmen have caught your eye or anybody that's kind of stood out to you on, on Wichita State this season. I, I haven't seen them as much as I would see them when Fred and Ron are in the backcourt, you know, for obvious reasons. But um, the, the jump, as you put it, for Marcus has been uh, – uh, hard not to notice and good for him because I honestly, if you were talking about players that could leave school early from Wichita a few years ago, I think most of us would have said Marcus as opposed to Landry. And then, you know, he got hurt and um, he had to deal with that all last season. It just, it didn't click for him. And, you know, he was looking up and not having the type of college career that, that I thought he was going to have, you know, he is one of the, um, I think small handful of top 100 prospects that is enrolled at Wichita State, and so to to now see him looking like what I always thought he could eventually be, even if it's a year later than I thought it would eventually come, um, has been fun. I mean, sitting here, 19.5 rebounds per game. I know that they're big numbers for a team that's not as good, but to the extent that Wichita State's got problems, they're not Marcus McDuffie problems. They're uh, inexperienced slash young people problems, and. Um, it stinks that he won't be around to see the good, um, the really good version of, of, of this group of players that are in place. Um, but he is the reason that, that Wichita State, I think, is going to remain respectable in this, in this season. Mark is, of course, combined with Greg. You know, you do great coach and put him with a great player um, in a league like the AAC, and, you know, they're, they're going to be good enough to beat, you know, to, to beat, I don't know about most people, but, but beat a lot of people. And, you know, I'll be shocked if, you know, I know where some people thought Wichita State would finish in the preseason, and I just refuse to believe that a Greg Marshall team can be as bad as some people thought it would be. And I know that this hasn't gotten off to the best of starts, but, you know, I think um, if they're below 500 in the league, that'll surprise me. I just, I don't think, I, I'll be surprised if Greg can't get more out of this than, than what most other coaches would be able to get out of it. Our listeners can follow Gary on Twitter at GaryParishCBS. You can also read his work at CBSSports.com. And we'll look forward to the American Athletic Conference Championship that second week of March down in Memphis. Thanks so much, Gary. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Our thanks again to Gary Parrish of CBS Sports for joining the show. We'll move into our own preview of the American Athletic Conference now. We're going to take you from reverse order of finish, where we think they're going to finish from 12 all the way to 1. I've already messed it up. I said where we think they're going to finish. We're actually going to go in order out of our you know media expert here, Taylor Eldridge, going to go in in his order. I have maybe just a few disagreements that I'll I'll pipe in with from time to time. But you're wrong. Let's go ahead and start with number twelve, and that is the East Carolina Pirates. Currently six and five. Head coach Joe Dooley 
in his first season, but this is actually his second time around at ECU. A lot of Shocker fans will remember he was an assistant at KU and then also the coach at Florida Gulf Coast these past few years. The Pirates were picked to finish 11th in the AAC preseason poll. We don't have to go into a ton of info on on, uh, some of these down at the bottom. But Wichita State will play at East Carolina on Wednesday, February 6th. East Carolina will come to Wichita on Tuesday, March 5th. Taylor, when you look at the Pirates, what do you see? Yeah, they just really struggled. And, you know, it's going to take duly time to to make up this gap uh, between them and uh, the rest of the conference just to get back. You know, there's really a divide. You know, the top nine teams are all, you know, competitive. And then, you know, the bottom three are fighting to get into that group. And, you know, it's going to take uh, East Carolina some time. Uh, the upside is that, you know, Dooley has done this before. And, you know, he's been there before and uh, had success. So, um, you know, you look at their non-conference, nothing really sticks out. They lost to some bad teams. Uh, they did beat Appalachian State. You know, that's a common opponent for Wichita State. They beat them by two. Um, but I just don't think that they have the firepower. I do like their freshman, Jaden Gardner, though. Uh, he's been a, a load to handle, 6'6", 245. So he's basically like Mo Udeze, minus two inches. Um, so he's a 6'6 guy that's just, you know, sucking up rebounds and uh, really a load to handle inside. And um, he, he's, you know, a freshman that maybe if he continues to develop, he, they can build around him. Then they have a Virginia Tech transfer in Seth Day too, that's playing pretty well this season. So, you know, there is some talent there, but, you know, just not enough to, to make me believe that, you know, this team is winning more than three games in a conference. You talked about Jaden Gardner. He's their leading scorer, currently averaging 18.3 points per game. As a team, they shoot at 43.7% from the field, only 26.7% from three, scoring 70 points per game and allowing 67. Current Kinpom ranking 268. So the Kinpom rankings would certainly agree with you in this case. Let's go ahead and move on to 11th place, the Tulane Green Wave. Only 4-8 on the season had... Uh, uh, that young man who went off to the NBA and, and uh, maybe has left some of the scoring for him. They're led by Mike Dunleavy Sr. He's in their third season, and they were picked to finish 10th in the AAC preseason poll. Similar to ECU, not a whole lot when you look at the non-con. Went over South Dakota State, lost to Florida State, but uh, your overall thoughts here on Tulane. Yeah, Tulane was a, a kind of an interesting team last year with Melvin Frazier and Cameron Reynolds. I mean, those are two pros, and you know, as a team that finished in the bottom half, of the conference, but that was a team you couldn't really feel, you know, good about going into the game. Like it was just going to be a rollover opponent because you know, you had two guys that were averaging 31 combined. So you know that's just not the case this season. Uh, they've really struggled to to find an identity without those two guys. And uh, you know, I, I had them 10th coming into the season. They just haven't really done very much uh, to to convince me that you know South Florida has shown me something and. You know, with with Tulane, they just they haven't looked very good. Uh, they just lost to Alabama A and M, one of the worst teams in college basketball, uh, number three forty seven on Ken Palm. So that's not good news going into conference play. And I think you know Mike Dunleavy. I mean, he had that success, or he had that those two guys come in last year that really sparked them. He's gonna have to find some replacements for them to to get Tulane out of that that bottom three pod that I've been talking about. Current Kinpom ranking is 265. Tulane visits Wichita on Saturday, February 9th. Wichita State will return to New Orleans on Saturday, March 9th, and I will be in the building for that. Excited to go to New Orleans for the first time. The Green Wave are led in scoring by 6'4 sophomore guard 
Caleb Daniels. So we got 12th and 11th out of the way, moving on to 10th place. And you mentioned this is a team that has showed you something a little bit this year, and that's the USF Bulls. They're under head coach Brian Gregory in his second season, 9-2 and on the year after being picked to finish dead last in the conference. Have they surprised you? They have, you know. I mean, it's not like they have, uh, you know, it's relative uh, to their schedule. You know, 9-2, and two, that jumps off to the page. You're like, wow, this is a, a really good team. But, you know, you look at who they beat, you know, they, they have solid wins. What what takes you from, you know, the very bottom to the, maybe the middle is beating those middle teams. And, you know, that's what they've done. And, uh, you know, the losses to Georgetown, to the Citadel, Citadel uh, you know, those aren't bad losses. So, you know, they, they come into conference play on a five-game winning streak. You know, they've had success. I really like what Brian Gregory has done uh, in his second season here. So, you know, they, they have one more left and then um, conference play. So I think that they're going to have some serious momentum going in. I don't think that they can climb out of the, I think, 10th is the ceiling. But I think uh, uh, I think I would pick them over the, the other two. And, you know, that's, that's uh, an accomplishment coming in because everyone had South Florida uh, pretty much unanimous last. So, uh, coming into the season, so uh, that's a credit to them and how how much they've improved in in their non-conference. They lost to Georgetown in overtime. They also beat App State, so it seems like every team in the AAC played App State in non-con. Their leading scorer is six three sophomore guard David Collins. He's averaging fourteen point three points per game. And if you'll remember with the AAC schedule, you have seven teams that you play twice, both home and away. And then you have two teams that you just play at home, two teams that you just play on the road. And in this case, USF is one of those teams that Wichita State just plays once and it's on the road. Wichita State will travel to South Florida on Tuesday, January 22nd. Moving ahead, ninth place, the SMU Mustangs, 8-4 and four on the year. Head coach Tim Jenkovitz in his third season. They were picked to finish seventh in the AAC preseason poll outside of uh, former Topeka, Kansas high school star Jamal McMurray, who's averaging 18.3 points per game. Been a little bit of a rebuilding year for the Mustangs. Yeah, they uh, they didn't have their NBA guy Jerry Foster back. Uh, if you remember, he tore his ACL last year at Wichita State, actually. So he just came back from that. And you know, ever since Foster came back, you know, uh, uh, SMU has been on a pretty good roll here. You know, they've won six of the last seven. They beat Georgetown on the road, so that's a really good win. Uh, they were very competitive against TCU at home. So, you know, this is a. I don't feel great about this pick. You know, ninth. You know, they have more talent. Whoever finishes eighth or seventh, eighth, ninth in the AAC is going to feel, you know, bad about their season. But I just think it's going to be a, a jumble in the middle because there's so many good teams in the middle. And you know, SMU, I, you know, Foster has come back, but you know, he hasn't played great. He's been up and down, but you know, the talent is still there. This is a guy that was, you know, getting late first round looks before the injury. So, um, you know, I love Jimmy Witt's game. Great, great defender, great, you know, creator at point guard. Jamal McMurray is a scoring punch. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, he's from Topeka. Um, so he, he's really taken on that offensive load that, that Shake Milton has left. And, you know, he's he's been way more efficient than he's ever been in his career. So we'll see if that can keep up. Um, I really like the talent on this team. Ethan Chagraw, a 6'9 sophomore. Uh, he's a guy that I, I love, you know, a pick-and-pop guy at the five. 
Um, he, you know, the offense is, is there for this team. You know, they're, they're top 30 in Ken Palm on offense. This is a team that can give a lot of teams problems. I just don't know if they can win away from, from Dallas, but we'll see, you know, going there, going to SMU, that's going to be a big challenge for any team in the AAC. SMU's current Ken Palm ranking is 83, which is actually lower than four of the teams that we picked, or excuse me, that you picked uh, ahead of them. You talked about their offensive numbers, 46.5% from the field, 36.2% from three. So that would uh, certainly, you know, uh, agree with what you said. They did lose to Southern Miss, so there's a common opponent there for you. They lost to Southern Miss by 10, 74-64. Moving along, eighth place. This has been the first time this has happened. In the history of this podcast, it is the Wichita State Shockers, 7-5 and five on the year. They were picked to finish 8th in the preseason poll. We'll keep them at 8. Current Ken Palm ranking 118. Really the notable win, as, as we're not telling you anything you don't know, was over Providence. Uh, no bad losses, but no really great thing you can point to as well. Um, you know, I think... Four through eight, four through ten, however you want to look at it, you can almost put all the names in a hat and just pick out and, and take a look at it. I think some folks have maybe um, over, uh, you know, given too much credence to Memphis and to UConn just because they do have new coaches and there's a thought that they're just going to rush right back into national prominence. So we might be giving them a little too much here, but give us your reasoning for Wichita State at number eight. Yeah, to your point, I mean, I think you can put four through nine in a hat and, you know, if you tell me any of those those teams finish anywhere between four and nine, I, I honestly would not be surprised. So, you know, Wichita State, uh, you know, before I, I texted you this before, I said with if, uh, if the injury to Echenique didn't happen, I probably would have them, you know, five, six, somewhere, somewhere there, but, you know, without him, I just don't feel great about this team, you know. Like I, I, I told you that plus-minus stat earlier in the show, and that's just not good when they've been outscored by 90 points when he's been on the bench. So, you know, they're gonna have to take a big uh, leap. And you look at the starter conference play is just absolutely killer for Wichita State. You know, they go on the road to Memphis to open it up. That's that's the easiest game and the uh, to start it out. Then they play the four best teams or four of the five best teams in the conference, uh, Temple at home at Houston, uh, UCF at home, then Cincinnati at home, and then also a road trip to, to South Florida and UConn. So that's a brutal start to the It is good schedule. to have those at home, though, at the beginning. It and, is. and UCF only comes to Wichita. They don't have to go back to Orlando. So, you know, you you I, I 100% hear what you're saying, particularly with Echenique's injury here at the beginning and some of the freshmen really still searching for consistency as far as scoring the basketball. But, you know, it is difficult to come into Coke Arena and win. It, it's not, you know, maybe as difficult as it's been in the past. But with three of those first four at home, Memphis isn't, you know, Memphis doesn't have that just big wow moment to show you. They're seven and five too. They're struggling yeah. a little bit. So they're at, at least for the Shocker fans that are listening who are looking for a glimmer of hope. Three weeks from now, this whole thing could look completely different. Yeah, I think the the first six games, if they're any better than two and four, I think you have to feel great about what they've been able to do. If they're able to scratch out three wins, uh, you feel good because you know the the middle portion of the schedule really softens up. And then even the close, you know, you have a lot of winnable games there. So if they can just get through the stretch at the start, I think that's the key. But, you know, you look at, you know, worst case scenario, I mean, there's a legitimate roadmap for them to start, you know, 0-5 or 1-6 or really. 
Um, so that's you know that's a scary proposition. I don't think it will happen. I think they get at least two uh, in the stretch. Like you said, I mean playing at Coke Arena, that's still Coke Arena. You know, it's still you know a place that not very many teams can win. Um, even if they're you know significantly better than Wichita State, you know that home crowd is gonna uh, gonna be able to lift the Shockers up. I think and um, you know just the just like I said, I mean the the middle of this conference is going to be jam packed. You know, it's going to be separated by one or two games. So you know, I I picked Wichita State eighth. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they you know it might be a one game difference between eighth and sixth or even fifth. And uh, like I said before, I think the ceiling on this team is fourth. A lot of things are going to have to change. A lot, I mean, a lot of the things are going to have to to fall in place for Wichita State for that to happen. But you know, you look outside of the top three. Not a lot of you know, uh, you know consistency. Not a lot of okay. That that team's for sure gonna be, uh, you know, winning 11, 12 games in the conference. So opportunity is there for Wichita State. I still think that they're a year away. Um, you know, especially without Ichinike. I said before the season, you know, 18 wins that should be the the target. So you know they're gonna have to win 11 in conference. Uh, you know, if they win 11, they're probably gonna fin- they're definitely finishing higher than eighth. But you know, I think. 16, 17, 18 wins, uh, something like that. It, it sounds reasonable for this team. Seventh place, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane come in at 10-3 and three after the non-conference portion of the schedule. Head coach Frank Haith is in his fifth season. They were picked to finish ninth in the AAC preseason poll. Current Ken Palm ranking is 121, so just a few spots behind Wichita State. They will play at Wichita State on Saturday, February 2nd. Wichita will go back down to Tulsa on Wednesday, February 20th. This is a team that uh, really has outperformed their preseason expectations and I think, you know, was was one of those teams that maybe pushed Wichita State down to 8th from from 6th or 5th or wherever folks might have them and, and has been doing maybe better than expected under Coach Haith. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the start of the season, you know, uh, Tulsa was, you know, it was a team that, you know, you just looked at them in the middle and you don't really fear them. And, you know, the, the start of the season played out that way. You know, they, they lose, uh, to Southern Illinois on a neutral court by 10. They lose at Utah, you know, five and three, no, no wins over the top 200. Uh, and then the, the, the season kind of switched, uh, at home when they beat Oklahoma state by three, uh, the same week they beat K state at home. Uh, then they they picked up a nice win over Dayton on a neutral court. So you know three you know top seventy five wins for for Tulsa really you know changed my perspective on 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 them. And you know they're going into conference play on a five game winning streak. And uh, you know they're they're a team that's you know the trajectory is you know going the other way from Wichita State. You know Shockers. You know not to say the Shockers can't turn it around, but you know you don't feel like there's a lot of momentum going into conference play for Wichita State. Uh, that's I I do feel that is the case for Tulsa. Uh, however, you know I think you know I just I don't really I don't feel great about them. Uh, I just I was kind of a, just a sign of respect for for what they did accomplish in the non-conference and uh, the, the streak that they are on. Wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they finished ninth uh, behind Wichita State and SMU. But you know I think that you know six is probably you know probably the ceiling for Tulsa. I just I just don't like. You know the you know Daquan Jeffries. I love his game. Sterling Taplin is nice. Uh, Martin's Igabanu. Uh, he's a he's a solid defender at the five. But you know I don't love you know their team, their talent. Um, I, their upside is kind of capped in my mind. But you know I think Frank Hayes, good coach. I think he can get them 
right there in the middle, and they'll be in the mix at the end of the season. Now, here's the first one I disagree with you on just a little bit, and that's at sixth place, the Memphis Tigers at 7-5. and five. Head coach Penny Hardaway in his first season, we talked to Gary about this. They were picked to finish fourth in the AAC preseason poll, and, and let me just get it out there right now. I think <laughs> everyone is overinflating this Memphis Tigers basketball team. They see Penny Hardaway, and they see a couple recruits, and they want to think, oh, man, they're back. This team is back. They are 7-5. and five. Their best win is South Dakota State. They've lost to Oklahoma State, LSU, Tennessee. You can name a few others off there. And, you know, they returned some players. They added some impact freshmen. Alex Lomax, who was supposed to come to Wichita State, currently averaging 6.5 points per game. But I don't think just because they have a, you know, a good basketball pedigree that all of a sudden that Memphis is just going to rocket to the top of the conference. My hot take, they finish eighth or worse this year. But Taylor, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that absolutely could be the case, and you know I don't love this team either. But you know I watched that Tennessee game, and I was I was pretty impressed with you know the fight that Memphis did have. And you mentioned the losses. Yeah, they have five losses, but you know all five of those teams are top 100 Ken Palm teams. So no real bad losses. But I mean also to your point, you know they don't have a great. You know it would have been nice to win one of those to convince people. Uh, like you said, when that preseason poll came out, I just kind of laughed. I was like. You know, Memphis at four, that's, you know, that's pretty high. I mean, uh, I don't know if people understand that the recruits are coming next year for Penny, not not this season. So, you know, the, they do have talent. I love their guards. You know, they, they're going to play three guards, and, you know, they, they have an explosive offense. But, you know, the defense, I don't know how disciplined they are. I don't know if they can, you know, go 18 games and, you know, defend at that level to, to win. And I just don't know if they're going to win much away from home because you don't get, you know – to, to win on the road, you have to play great defense, and I don't know if this team is capable of that, but, you know, I, I do like the offense. I like Jeremiah Martin, uh, the, the freshman. Um, Tyler Harris has been a spark plug on offense, and you mentioned Lomax. He's doing all the little things, and uh, Kevion uh, Davenport, too. I love his game. He's really taken his game to the next level in his senior season, 6'8 swing guy, so um, they're, they're a tough matchup on offense, and uh, I just I think that, that that firepower right now is a little bit more than the teams I have ranked below them, and that's why I have them six. Um, but like you said, you know the the bottom for this team is is eighth or ninth probably too. Wichita State opens conference play at Memphis Thursday, January 3rd. Memphis makes the return trip back to Wichita on Saturday, February 23rd. You mentioned Davenport. He's their leading scorer at 15.3 points per game. They scored 84.2 points per game. So, yeah, they put it in the basket, but they allow 78. So a lot of of higher scoring games there. Fifth place, I I think we're putting a little bit of disrespect on them as well, and that is the Temple Owls. They come in at 10-2. Head coach Fran Dumphy is in his 13th and final season at the helm at Temple. They were picked to finish sixth in the AAC preseason poll, but, you know, really have had a pretty good uh, season here so far. Their only real notable loss was to VCU. They lost by six. Uh, Shiz Alston Jr. continues to do good things. Quentin Rose is another player of theirs that, uh, you know, this is more of an experienced group in Temple, and I think, you know, maybe they're outside looking in, but if, if four teams get in the NCAA tournament, they could be that fourth team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they have the non-conference, uh, solid wins at Missouri, uh, Davidson on a neutral court. So, 
you know, they would probably have to finish in the top, you know, maybe maybe second in the conference to, to get in. Um, I don't know if those two wins are going to be able to, to carry them into the NCAA tournament. So they have some work to do. But, you know, I love what they did in the non-conference, you know, coming in at 10-2. and two, very impressive you know they they probably can argue that they're the third best team uh behind you know Cincinnati and Houston right now so uh like you said I mean I I did feel bad about putting them fifth I just don't know I don't know about their depth Uh, I love their top end talent um you know Quentin Rose, Shiz Alston, Napier Louis um you know all three of those guys uh very very good Uh, I love their games but you know I just don't know over the course of the the conference season you know, maybe they, they, they're motivated to, you know, send Fran out a winner in his last season. But, you know, I, I if you remember, I was all over Temple last season. I, I picked them, I think, fourth or fifth in the conference. I was, you know, the biggest Owls fan out there. Uh, they, they really stung me last year. So maybe this is just a little Temple regret from last season. But um, I, I just don't know if their, their depth can hold up over an 18-game conference season. So, I'll go. Uh, I'll go with them in fifth place. Temple and UCF are the two teams that Wichita State only plays at home, and it's actually the home opener against the Owls. Temple will come to Wichita on Sunday, January sixth. The team shoots at forty-four percent from the field, only twenty-nine percent from three. Shiz Alston Jr. averaging nineteen point three points per game as their leading scorer. Fourth place, I've already, you know, let my uh, thoughts be known on Memphis. It's kind of similar with UConn. Head coach Dan Hurley in his first season picked to finish fifth in the AAC preseason poll. They did beat Syracuse, but they lost to Arizona. They got housed by Villanova. They've lost to a few, I believe they lost to Iowa. Um, So Ken Palm, 88, that's not drastic from where some of these other teams are. But your thoughts on the Huskies? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the way their schedule is set up, uh, you know, I said it in the preseason, you know, they're going to get, uh, you know, five big games. Uh, they win one of them, but the rest of their schedule just, you know, complete trash. You know, they're playing sub-200 guy or you know, over 200 teams in Ken Palm. So we, I'm not sure how much we really learned about UConn. Uh, the reason I'm so optimistic about this team is just I love the, the guards. I think guards are how you win in today's game and, you know, I don't know if UConn or I don't know if any team in the conference has better guards than UConn. Jalen Adams, uh, just a big time stud, uh, future NBA guy, probably uh, his senior season. Then they have uh, Alterik Gilbert finally back. You know, he's been banged up and hasn't really played much. Uh, you know, former five star guy. Uh, he's really making an impact. And Christian Vital, uh, you know, sharpshooter for them. Uh, they just have a lot of, you know, big time guards. And I think. Uh, you know, that's why I kind of like Memphis and this is why I like UConn and, you know, I love the way Dan Hurley coaches and the vigor that, that he has. And I really do think that he is, you know, bringing UConn back to national relevance. You know, it's going to take, you know, maybe two seasons, two or three to, you know, get the recruits in, get this thing fully turned around. But I think this is the start of, you know, of UConn uh, going back into uh, national prominence. And I think that Dan Hurley is the, the right man for that job. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do finish 6th or 7th, uh, kind of like what they did last season where, you know, they had more talent than a lot of the teams, but they just didn't play with that heart. And um, I just I just like the guards this year, and I do admit that it is, you know, taking a leap of faith to put them in 4th over a couple of these other teams. 
The Shockers visit UConn on Saturday, January 26th. The Huskies will return to Wichita on Thursday, February 28th. You and I talked about this off the air on a a show a couple weeks ago, but what should the over-under be as far as Coach Marshall getting in a verbal disagreement with either Coach Hurley or Coach Hardaway? So the one thing, these two new additions this year at two big-time programs, they are passionate coaches. Our guy here in Wichita, we know Coach Marshall's a passionate coach, so it'll be interesting to see all these guys go against each other. I mentioned Fran Dunphy is retiring. After that, Mick Cronin and then our own Greg Marshall are the longest-tenured coaches in the AAC. Let's move to our final three. In third place, the UCF Golden Knights at 10-2 on the year. Head coach Johnny Dawkins is in his third season. They were picked to finish first in the AAC preseason poll. They're led by 6-2 redshirt senior guard B.J. Taylor. He's scoring 17.5 points per game. I've already mentioned they only come to Wichita once, and that is Wednesday, January 16th. A lot of people thought they were going to finish first. Had a lot of injuries last year. Taco Fall is back. They were the sexy pick here. Why do you have them in third? You know, I I still understand the fascination with them. And, you know, even before the season, I had them. I had them number two. I had Houston as my preseason favorite even before the start, and I still really it's convenient un- you say that after they're undefeated here. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's, it's on the <laughs> internet. Good prediction. You, you can look it up. Um, I was I was Check all in on stats. I was all in on Houston, but. Uh, yeah, Central Florida, I just don't, I, I didn't understand, you know, why they were so unanimous. You know, pretty much everyone had them number one, and, you know, I get that they had pretty much everyone coming back, but, you know, my point was, you know, what what has that group ever won? You know, that's, that's nice that they're all coming back. It's nice that they have, you know, some returning talent, but, you know, you look at a team like Cincinnati that's consistently up there that, that had, you know, some pieces coming back and, you know, a, a great player in Jaron Cumberland. Uh, you know, you look at Houston, great coach in Kelvin Sampson, you know, they had a lot coming back too. So I just didn't really understand why everyone had them number one. Um, but, you know, this is a team I just, I, you know, I'm not in love with the way they play. Uh, they they kind of grind people down. It's not pretty, but they get the job done. You know, you mentioned Taco Fall. You know, if he can stay healthy, you know, this, this team's going to be in the championship hunt for sure. Uh, he's, you know, they're back on their, you know, top 25 defense. Uh, the offense has picked up this season because they do have, you know, a lot of people back. You know, B.J. Taylor's playing well. Aubrey Dawkins is finally eligible to play and healthy. Uh, he's playing very well. Taco Fall, big man in the middle. So, you know, those three, I uh, love Colin Smith, 6'11", sophomore too. Uh, so they can put some serious length out on the court, um, you know, and give a lot of people problems. So, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, these top three. I think this they, they're kind of elevated themselves above the rest, and I think it's going to be, you know, a, a battle between UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. My biggest beef with UCF, and it's why I completely agree with you having them in third, is who have they played? They beat Alabama by six, which is a common opponent with the Shockers, but really have no impressive wins outside of that. They lost to Missouri by two. They lost to Florida Atlantic early in the season. So it's like, who have they played? What can you point to that would say, if they don't win the conference, that it's an at-large resume right there? So, I mean, unless they go... 
you know, 15 and three in conference. I'm, I'm not sure really they have a whole lot to point to and will be another one of those bubble teams. And we've seen, particularly with a conference like the American, you know, you usually have uh, obviously your champion who's guaranteed and then another one who's pretty certain. Yeah. But then number three and number four are always toss up. So it's about what your resume looks like. Right now, I'm not too impressed with UCFs. Yeah, I think if they finish third, they should get in. But you're right. I mean, they're going to be right there on the bubble. Um, you know, their schedule was kind of a weird schedule. I even pointed that out before the season that, you know, a lot of those teams fell, you know, in that, that 80 to, to 150 range, which is, you know, nice. That's going to test your team. There's not very many rollovers there, but, you know, those are, it, it doesn't give you an opportunity to really get that significant win. And um, you're right, you know, you look at the, the schedule and, you know, Alabama at home is a nice win, but that's about it. So, you know, UCF's going to have something to prove. Uh, the schedule sets up very well for them to start the season, so you 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 might look at them and you know maybe they start you know eight and zero or, or seven and one and get off to a good start. So um, that's something to to watch early on for UCF. Only two teams left. Drum roll, please. Second place, the Cincinnati Bearcats, eleven and two. Head coach Mick Cronin in his thirteenth season. They were also picked to finish second in the AAC preseason poll. Current Ken Palm ranking is 26. They have wins over Xavier, UCLA. A really only notable loss was to Mississippi State by 11. So we've uh, heard from Gary. We've heard from several others as far as uh, the strength of the conference. What are your thoughts on the Bearcats? Yeah, I think Cincinnati is, you know, just exactly what we expected them to be, you know, under Mick Cronin. You know, they're, they're tough on defense, number 12 on Ken Palm defense. So, you know, this is, a, is another team that, that just gets after it on the defensive end. I uh, really love Jaron Cumberland, his game, 6'5 swingman, uh, one of the best players in the conference. You know, Kane Broom has really taken off uh, his senior season as a point guard. Keith Williams, another good swingman for Cincinnati. They're not, uh, you know, they're not huge. They're not as big as they've been in the past. Uh, they play a little bit smaller lineups, but... You know, this is still, like I mentioned, you know, it's a team that gets after it on defense and then uh, kills it on the boards. You know, top 10 offensive rebounding team makes up for the fact that they're not a great shooting team. Take care of the ball. So they have a lot of the, the, the formula there to be a winning basketball team. They're going to be right there in the mix. Uh, would not surprise me in the slightest if they win the conference. Um, I think their they're lowest they can probably be is uh, third. Uh, so I think this is one of the more solid teams in the AAC. And uh, they've they've uh, you know set themselves up uh, pretty favorably for an uh, at large bid and to get back into the tournament. Here's a fun little stat for you: Cincinnati's played 13 games, Houston has played 12. They have exactly the same points per game and what they're allowing. So both teams are averaging exactly 74 points per game, and both teams are allowing exactly 58 points per game. I thought that was kind of a interesting stat. As far as when they'll play the Shockers, the Bearcats will come to Wichita on Saturday, January 19th. That is a nationally televised game on CBS, so certainly the networks still think this is a juicy matchup. Wichita State will return to Cincinnati on Sunday, February 17th. That is nationally televised televised on ESPN. So uh, should be a good opportunity at least for uh, some uh, promotion of, of both programs there. That leads us into first place. They haven't lost so far this year, and that is the Houston Cougars. Kelvin Sampson in his fifth season. They were picked to finish third in the AAC preseason poll. They only play Wichita State once. The Shockers will go to Houston on Saturday, January 12th. Your reasoning for picking them to win the conference. 
you know, as I mentioned before, I had them as my preseason favorite before the season even started. So I, I really loved what they had coming back. You know, they lose Rob Gray, uh, they lose Devin Davis, and that was about it. You know, they, they had everyone coming back, and uh, I loved uh, Corey Davis from last season. I love the way he gets after it. You know, you think of the play-angry style. I mean, this is a guy that plays angry. Uh, just, uh, you know, would, you know, Wichita State fans would love this guy, the way he plays and the way he gets after it. Um, you know, he's really taken the step this season to become the, the go-to guy. You know, he was kind of Rob Gray's sidekick last season but you know he's really stepped up his game and you know he's not you know he's not Rob Gray he's not gonna you know score 20 plus a game but a very efficient scorer uh, Armani Brooks has, has really stepped up his game too 6'3 junior uh, on the wing so this again this isn't a, a very big team uh, you know Breon Brady is probably the biggest they got at 6'8 260 um, and even he can uh, um, you know he, he can't really step out but you know he, he's a great defender and I just love the the pieces they have coming off the bench. Uh, Nate Hinton uh, was a you know a top 50 recruit coming in. Uh, he hasn't really played up to his potential yet, but you know he's a, a ton of potential uh, off the bench. And then Galen Robinson too, a, a really good defender and, and distributor as the the team's point guard. So I just love the pieces that that Houston has. Uh, you know I loved them uh, enough to pick them number one in the in the conference before the season and you know they, they made me look good you know going 12 and0 undefeated they're gonna go 13 and0 uh, this weekend so uh, you look at the way that the schedule sets up for them at the start of the American play you know this this undefeated season could you know could keep rolling on with the way it sets up till January 12th. <laughs> you know, which I'll say they, you know, they they punked them last year uh, when they came to Coke Arena. That was the uh, the first AAC game at Coke Arena history, and you know the crowd was just uh, crazy. That was probably one of the the you know the best crowds of the year for Wichita State last year, and you know they just ran away with it. So uh, nothing would surprise me at Coke Arena, but you know Houston is looking very good right now. Let's go ahead and do our talk angry first team all conference. We'll pick six players, alternate back and forth, however you want to do this. Taylor, your first pick. Well, uh, you know, my, my pick to win the conference is Houston. My pick to win the player of the year was Corey Davis. So I'm going Corey Davis, number one. He's currently the second leading scorer on the Cougars. Not that it's just on points. Armani Brooks currently has 15.3 points per game. Corey Davis Jr., 15.1 points per game. I'll go with B.J. Taylor. He was the preseason player of the year, still taking care of business, 17.5 points per game uh, for UCF. And so I, I'll uh, add him to the list. Uh, next, I would go Jaron Cumberland with Cincinnati. Like I said, one of the best players in the conference, uh, no doubt about it. You know, if Cincinnati wins, he's probably going to be player of the year. So he's the one that makes the Bearcats go. So I think he's he's basically a lock on first team. I think it'll be more of a guard-driven league this year, so I will add Jalen Adams to the mix. Uh, he certainly continues to take care of business for UConn, 16.6 points per game. Two more spots left. And then I think you have to go, you know, you look at Temple, the what they've done in the non-conference, uh, you know, uh, Quentin Rose, uh, nice player, but I'm going to go with Shiz Alston, better name, uh, more efficient, and uh, I think that he's, you know, if, if Temple's going to finish top five, I think uh, Shiz is going to lead the way, and uh, loved his game last season, I think he's uh, been even better this year, especially shooting from beyond the arc, so I'll go with Shiz uh, for spot number five. Spot number six, I'm going to give it to... 
Marcus McDuffie. I think he will continue to be the offensive focal point for the Shockers throughout conference play. Uh, yes, other teams will game plan against him, but has shown uh, you know pretty consistent ability. Uh, double figures in 11 straight games. That's the eighth longest streak under Coach Greg Marshall. So I think he'll continue to perform well and of course, it's a Wichita State podcast. Got to add in our Wichita State guy there at the end. So, buy or sell time. You've been quiet all show. Producer Brian. Uh, so, we're going to have a little more of an AAC flair, flavor to this episode of the podcast. So, we're going to start with the team you think is going to be at the top, Houston. They're currently undefeated. Do they get to February still undefeated? That would put them at 22-0. and 0 getting ready for a road trip to UCF. And they're probably their toughest game is against Temple during that stretch. I'm going to buy that. I think uh, I'm all in on this Houston team. Like you said, uh, you know, the, the way the schedule sets up, uh, you know, they, they go at Temple, they go at SMU, um, Temple at home. Uh, that's, you know, at Wichita State. Or, no, they get Wichita State at home. So, um, yeah, just the way that the schedule works out, I, I really like this Houston team. And I think, you know, until they see, you know, Cincinnati or UCF, you know, I don't know if they're going to be uh, an underdog in a game. And, you know, that doesn't happen until February. So, um, you know, staying with my, my theme of, you know, being all in on Houston, I'm going to buy that and I think they, they go into February undefeated. I'm going to sell it. Um, they play Memphis in their second uh, conference game. They have Temple. Um, play Tulsa twice in the month, play Temple twice in the month. I just think it's it's difficult to beat a good team twice within a short time period, so I will sell that. All right, so on to Wichita State. We've talked about some of the injury struggles. Hoping you get Dexter Dennis back for conference play. Uh, you're, you're hoping that maybe you get some usefulness out of Jaime Echenique with, with his injury. So buy or sell, Wichita State finishes 500 or better in conference. I'm going to buy that, and here's my reasoning behind it. If we look at the bottom half of the conference, they play ECU twice, they play Tulane twice, and they play USF once. I'm willing to say that's five wins right there. I mean, if they split with SMU, split with Tulsa, split with Memphis, I think split with Temple, that, that gets you to where you need to be right there. So I think as long as they take care of business against the lower portion of the conference, the AAC, even though it doesn't seem like it in these first five games, they did give what would seem like a favorable schedule to Wichita State. They only have to play UCF once. They only have to play Houston once. So out of what we have said are the top three teams in the conference, they have to play each of those teams once. They only have to play Temple once, which is what we've said is in the top five of the conference. So it seems like they're, they'll be playing more of that middle to lower half of the conference. I, I don't think it's going to be much more than 500, probably be somewhere in that nine and seven or, uh, you know, nine and uh, nine, and nine, 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 nine area. Nine. Excuse me. Sorry. My math has gone, gone wrong. Ten and, eight. <laughs> Ten and eight. That's what I was looking for. Ten and eight is what I was looking for. I'm still buying it. Yeah, I, you know, I picked them eighth, so I'm going to have to sell. I think uh, they're going to finish just a tick under, uh, you know, eight and ten. Sounds about right for this team, you know, up and down. Uh, you know, I think there's three, you know, you know, it's going to be tough for this team to win away from Coke Arena. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, the schedule sets up favorably. They play the bottom three teams. You get South Florida, East Carolina, and Tulane on the road. So those are three you probably should win. And then you look at, you know, nine home games, you know, you hope you win at least seven of those, maybe six. So, 
you know, there, there's nine right there um, if they can take care of business. So um, that's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be right around that range, you know, 10, 10 and 8 or 8 and 10. Uh, that's where my money would be. This this team, you know, 8, 9, 10 wins in conference play. I think that's where it's going to be. But I'm going to sell that just because, you know, I did pick them 8th in the conference. You know, the people don't forget, Taylor. We're currently recording these takes <laughs> for the world to hear for, for many years to come. Yeah. Well, you can go back in history, but... You know, I think I think eight. That's what I would pick them at right now. Uh, not knowing how, you know, that could change if Ichinike, if if he's back, uh, the start of conference play. I think they could, you know, scratch out two of those wins. Um, but just the way that the the, the start of the schedule, um, that's just dangerous for a young team. If if they start out zero and six, one and five, you know, one and seven, maybe um, that could be dangerous territory. Um, so. You know, I think it's if they can get some confidence early, that's going to be key for this team. But, you know, if I had to pick right now, like I said, I'm going 8-10. and 10. All right, so what Gary told us a little while ago is probably the over-under on conference bids for the NCAA tournament is about 2.5, so 2 or 3. So buy or sell, the American gets 3 or more bids into the NCAA tournament. I'm going to I'm going to sell that. I think uh Central Florida, I have them pick 3rd and I think if they finish 3rd, I think they're going to be on the bubble and you know with the the way that their their schedule just works out, I just don't think they have enough quality wins. So I could see a scenario where they get left out. Probably one of the better teams to get left out, but you know, I think Cincinnati and Houston have kind of secured their place in. So I feel really confident about those two. Not so great about UCF. Uh, you know, unless they finish, you know, top two in the conference. Um, so I'm going to sell that. I think, you know, they're going to get two in this year. But as Gary mentioned, um, you know, future very bright for the AAC. I'm going to sell it as well. And the reason, you know, we've talked about this all show, one through nine, the teams aren't that drastically different. So I think they're going to beat up on each other. You know, Houston and Cincinnati are very good, but they're not just light years ahead of, of anyone else. They're not light years ahead of Temple. They're not light years ahead of Tulsa or Wichita State or any of these other teams. And so I think naturally you're going to have teams that, that take some losses. And I think the conference champion, you know, maybe goes 14 and four. I can do math to 18 again. <laughs> so that's good to hear. Um, so, and, you know, we like the AAC. We were so excited to leave the Valley and go into the AAC, but nationally they're, um, you know, not, not as respected as maybe we would like to think sometimes. So I, I think it ends up being a two-bid league. Yeah, I think if this year's Cincinnati's team, you know, if you take it like in a vacuum, this year's Cincinnati team, they'd probably be, you know, the fourth best team in last year's AAC. I think Cincinnati, Houston, Wichita State were all very, very good. As Gary mentioned, those are all, you know, sweet 16, uh, you know, capable teams. And this year, I don't know if there is one. All right, and finally, we discussed the brutal start to the schedule for Wichita State. Just no gimmies early on. They got UCF. They've got Houston on the road. They've got Cincinnati. They open at Memphis and then uh, attempt.
I'm buying the heck out of this, and let me tell you why. Wichita State is going to beat Memphis in the conference <laughs> opener. I will say that right now. Memphis is not good. I will pound that as long as I have to. We'll get Gary back on the phone, and we can debate it. Temple coming to Wichita. I'm telling you, the Wichita crowd, I, I think that's at least a close game, maybe a toss-up. I think they do lose at Houston. UCF, who have they played? Has UCF been in any atmosphere like Coke Arena will provide them when they come to town on January 16th? I would say that they haven't. Cincinnati on January 19th, nationally televised game on CBS, starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The fans will be up. They'll be early. They'll be lubricated. I think it'll be a packed house. And then you have at USF, so we've already ran out after that. But I think they definitely win the first, and there's at least a 50-50 toss-up for those next couple after that. Yeah, I'm going to buy that as well. I think they get, uh, you know, at least one at home. Um, I think the Temple game is obviously the best odds. You know, they are favored on Ken Palm. And uh, like Dustin said, you know, the road trip to Memphis, who knows what can happen there. You know, WSU hasn't handled uh, road environments very well at all uh, so far this season. So uh, they would have to take a step there to win on the road. But, you know, that's a game that's it's not very scary. You know, it's not... Uh, you know, not unwinnable. But like as Gary mentioned, you know, Memphis fans are you know crazy about this team. Uh, they're they're sending you know fifteen thousand plus at the FedEx Forum every every night. So it's gonna be a tough environment for Wichita State to play in. They didn't handle VCU crowd very well uh, in the second half. So that's something that they're gonna have to definitely improve on if they're gonna win on the road. You know, in the American. Okay, that's it for buy or sell, and that's it for a longer conference preview show. Our thanks again to Gary Parrish for joining. When we talk to you next, it'll be 2019. I can celebrate after Wichita State wins that conference opener against Memphis. And uh, regardless of how the conference season goes, we'll continue to bring you great content throughout the season into March. And, of course, remember to rate us five stars. 